0: hey 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 what is going on cube fam it's your boy bez and i'm coming at you guys with another CubeCast cast episode today we're going to talk about the differences between ipos and dpos but before i even get started i'm going to let leonardo dicaprio as jordan belfort go ahead and explain what an ipo is for a quick minute is on fire. So it's all about the i brand. was gonna fire off a bazooka in here Offering up our latest IPO. An IPO is an initial public offering. It's the first time a stock is offered for sale to the general population. Now, as the firm taking the company public, we set the initial sales price then sold those shares right back to our friends. The, I- look, <laughs> I know you're not following what I'm saying anyway, right? That's, that's okay, that doesn't matter. The real question is this, was all this legal? Absolutely fucking not. But we were making more money than we knew what to do with. Hope you all enjoyed that. I forgot to just have a little fun with it. Um, Obviously, IPOs are not an illegal business practice. It was just the way Stratton Oakmont was doing it. So uh, disregard that last point there. But uh, yes, initial public offerings is what an IPO is. Uh, Why do companies do it? What are the benefits? Well, one, by taking public public, one, it legitimizes your firm. It also establishes a a daily value for your firm. It liquidates capital for insiders. Uh, it does. It does a lot of things, and in, in fact, in some cases, because of the publicity that comes with the IPO, it can actually lead to even more clientele for the company. So uh, there's there's a lot of pros. Obviously, the cons is that now you're open to a lot of scrutiny. You're opening your books to the public. You have to do a lot of filing with the SEC. You have to do um, conference calls, your investor presentations. There's a whole lot that's involved. And you know, if things aren't going well, you know, you have to issue the guidances and. If things don't go properly, you you get grilled for it. So, that is uh some little quick little ups and downs to an, to an IPO. But how do, how do they go? What what is the purpose of it? So as we know, companies private it's taking the shares public public for the first time. Okay, uh, usually the case is uh, a lead underwriter like Stratton Oakmont at the at that time for Steve Madden uh, today, obviously all the banks that we know of, they, they lead the underwriting to take it public. Usually they charge a two to 8% fee. And a lot of times there's more banks involved too, which is known as a syndicate. And then the lead bank will, will uh, lead that syndicate. One case in particular that a lot of people are got their hands involved. A lot of parties are involved. is the Saudi Aramco IPO. And that's because of how much money needs to be raised and, and the the exchanges it's going to be on and all the details and stuff like that. Um, and to be honest, while I'm on the topic, it was actually a pretty, pretty popular IPO year. Um we have, you know, Uber and we have Lyft and CrowdStrike and Zoom Video Communications and of course Beyond Meat and and a lot of other names. Datadog goes public tomorrow. So there's definitely been uh some pretty unique names. Obviously some are going better than others, but uh you know, that's just the name of the game. So what happens is when a company goes public, they're raising capital to fund the business. Okay, a lot of these companies too today that are going public, they're not—they're uh, not cash flow positive or even even close to profitability or anything like that. They're just usually high-fly, high-flying growth names, and uh, they want to raise that capital to fund the business and also um, provide insiders with the ability to sell their shares after a certain period. Generally, the lockup periods are around ninety to one hundred eighty days before any insiders can uh, start liquidating their shares. Uh, that's why a lot of times you'll see on like stock tweets or you'll see on seeking alpha, don't touch this stock until the IPO lockup period's over. Because a lot of times they assume that the first thing that's going to happen is the insider is going to want to dump uh, all their shares once they're allowed to. So, um, that's obviously a debatable thing, and it depends. A lot of people they want to keep buying more of their shares in the company, so uh, that's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, what else is there to talk about IPOs, okay? Before I get into the DPOs and how they're different, um, so. Yeah, they raise the money, there's a lead underwriter, that lead underwriter he's responsible, they are responsible for um the roadshow to build up interest. They uh they you know build up institutional basing, you know the the pricing of the of the IPO itself. They provide a lot of the stability, okay? When you look at the DPO, the direct uh, public offering or also known as a direct listing. There's two companies in particular that are are popular for this. One being Spotify, the other one being Slack. The difference here is that Slack and Spotify went straight to the market and they let the market dictate the, the price of their of their company, the, the value of their company. Whereas the lead underwriters for IPOs, they dictate how the price should be, where it should be taken public at and whatnot. Okay? Uh, now, here's the difference. When you do a direct listing, you are not raising any money that day. You're not. Whereas the IPO, you are. So if you're going to go through a direct listing, you got to be pretty confident... In uh, in your cash flow, in your profitability, your liquidity, because you're not raising any money there, and as a result, you're not you're not diluting the company. Whereas you are diluting the company when it comes to the the IPO. Okay, that, that's something very very important. So why would someone? Why would a company want to do a direct listing? Most of the time, uh, it's to it's to save money on that two to eight percent fee that a lot of the underwriters charge. Okay, it's also quicker. All right and um you, you don't dilute the shares and there's no lock-up period uh, there was a 90 to 100 day lock-up period on an IPO most of the time no lock-up period on the on the DPOs the direct listings but here's the thing about the direct listings they're open to a lot more volatility because there is no like there was no roadshow to build up demand to build up hype there wasn't uh any kind of institutional backing. Uh, The underwriters doesn't have a stake, you know. uh, And you're letting the market ultimately dictate what the price of your shares should be. Okay? So these are the two very different uh, ways of going public. And it really all comes down to where the company is at and what they feel is personally best for themselves. Okay? But obviously, obviously, the IPO is still the much more Popular route, and um, when when companies are thinking about going public too, and I just want to keep this on on the topic, you know, you're always thinking about what the environment is like for 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 taking companies public. A lot of times, like a WeWork, for instance, they're they're now gonna postpone their IPO. Why? Well, on those road shows, and when they filed their S one filing with the SEC, and everybody got a good look at their numbers. It wasn't worth the $47 billion that they wanted everyone to think it was worth. Now, in fact, the the market is saying, you know, sources are saying that they're going to have trouble getting a 10 to $12 billion valuation. You know, a company like SoftBank, who invested earlier this year at a $47 billion valuation, is pretty pissed off right now. Because now they're saying, oh, shit, if this thing goes public, I'm down. I'm down a solid 75 to 80% of my investment. In fact, they actually doubled down and just just grabbed some more at this low valuation, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and, and sometimes you have a uh, a case where the market is really feeling it, and in other cases it's not. And that, that's why we were like, you know what? We're going to hold off on this. We're going to go back to the drawing board. We'll see what happens. So uh, sometimes it's a big reality check. It is. And I was actually having this discussion with some subscribers in, in, in the group chat. If I am, for example, like a like a Chinese company, I don't think I would ever take my uh, my company public on the uh, United States markets. I say this because, one, you, uh, you, you're obviously, the, your investors in the U.S., they're most likely not going to be familiar with your product, okay? Uh, so they don't really know off the bat what it is you do firsthand because a lot of times these Chinese companies are pretty much just doing business domestically. So they don't really get a real feel of of your product or service. We know for a fact that Chinese companies do not get the same premium valuations that American companies get. And and there's just a lot of headaches. And, and, and look how much a lot of Chinese names get brought down from uh, trade talks, when a lot of them aren't even really affected at all by the trade, by the trade war, quote unquote. But they still get dragged down by it, you know? So... Um, these are some things that companies are always thinking about, you know, and then you have secondary offerings too, guys. Well, I might as well just touch on that. So if you're going to go public, right, that's the first time you take your shares public. Many times these companies, they use, they they run through that money pretty damn quick. And what happens is they need more money. So they either go through a a debt raise. Okay. They raise money through, through debt, or they want to list some more shares. So they do a secondary offering and, this is generally not taken well by the market. You know, Beyond Meat fell because of this. Um, they really took advantage of that high price. And honestly, you can't even blame them. If it's going to be that high in the, what was it, the 200s or so, uh, you can't even blame them for doing a secondary offering and get money for that, for that price. You know, especially considering they went public at like 60. Uh, it, it's not, everyone knew it's not sustainable. So they got what they could for it. Uh, I'm not saying every company has that in mind. You'll see a lot of pharmaceutical companies because they're still waiting for their phase one, phase two, phase three drugs to get approved. They run through cash pretty quick, so they re- they are heavily rely on secondary offerings, uh, and it dilutes it dilutes the company. So if if you own shares in the company, well now your shares are worth less. You own less of the company now because there will be more shares outstanding. Generally, the only way a stock will go up on a secondary offering is if the investors truly believe that it's worth the raise, okay, and that that money will be used to um, generate return on on, inequ- on equity, okay? So they look at the raise as a positive to their net income, the top and bottom line, really. But most of the time, you'll see an initial drop on the on the shares. Um, and a lot of times, it'll be by the same amount that the shares are being diluted for, Um A lot of times people get really nervous and they sell more than it should and then you'll notice it makes it back up. Obviously, every case is different. But generally speaking, on a secondary offering, you will see uh, that stock fall by X, Y percent. Okay? So, that's pretty much it, guys. Those are like the two ways, you know, uh, companies are going public today. Like I said, the IPOs are much, much more popular. And, um... The DPOs, maybe it's something we see more of. Companies trying to go a little quicker route, let the market dictate the price, and save themselves some money. Perhaps that's the case. But uh, if I look at it myself, I think IPOs obviously will continue to be the norm, especially with today's quality of companies. I'm not saying they're awful quality, but there was a time way back when, you know, the New York Stock Exchange used to say to companies, you know what, you're not that high quality, you know, get your business a little bit better, get get, get your profitability up, like, like, not verbatim, but, you know, we want to bring in less speculative names onto this exchange. Now, it seems as though any company, anytime, take it public, make it happen, you know? It's actually funny, I watched a CMB segment on that a couple months back when they were talking about um, something along those lines. Uh, today, it's not the same it's not the same, you know, if, if you're a high, high flying growth company, boom, right to the market you go. And honestly, I, I'd argue that, um, a lot of these companies too, are really taking advantage of the retail investor by just using the IPO as their end all be all exit strategy, you know, especially some of these valuations, that's not all of them, but that is some of them. Um, I just, I just do feel that way that they're just cashing out, on the on the individual investor, especially on on a quality or at least hyped up name that people are, are very familiar with. But I just really wanted to take this this podcast, explain to you the difference between an IPO and a DPO, just so you guys see the when you see the headlines, you know exactly what people are talking about. So if you guys have any questions on this, you know where where to find me. Hit my DMs, send an email to help at QBuff.com, and you guys know I'll I'll help you and assist you no problem. So guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll catch you on the next one.